doesn't matter. Anyway, I broke my wrist. Anyway, God is good and he heals. So we're thanking Jesus for that. All right. So at the moment, we're going through our series, Driven by Eternity, and uh, we've had uh, two messages so far. Yes. And the last one, uh, what was the first one called? What? The Eternal. Come on, that came from the pastors. Come on, somebody else. What was the second one? The Eternal. Home of, of the Dead. Yes, thank you. Usually at Scripture we like throw chocolates at students when they get questions right, or if they just yell for it, well, not when they, they've got, they got to put up the hand. You don't have to put up your hand. You could, but don't. Okay. So um, let me just... I'm just going to talk a little bit about myself for a second because I'm good at doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I've, I've grown up in church, right? I've, I've grown up in a Christian home. Like, it wasn't a perfect Christian home, but then again, I guess there is no such thing as a perfect Christian home. Um, but we knew Jesus. Like, I gave my life to Jesus when I was in year one. That, that's pretty good. Um, and and I, I grew up in this church, and, and it was fantastic. And, you know, some of my Sunday, schools are, Sunday school teachers are in here. Like, there's one of them she had to put up with me. And, and oh, God bless you. God's going to reward you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've been to different churches in different places in Australia and some in different countries. And, and, you know, you learn wonderful things in all of them. You really do. But in all of my Christian walk, I've been missing something the entire time. And I, I never really knew what it was. Am I too loud? Okay. Okay. I've, I've always been missing something. I, I just, I wasn't sure what it was and I... I would always ask God, you know, what am I, what am I missing? And he sort of tried to tell me a couple of times, but I didn't really, I've got a thick head, right? Some of you may know that. And I've always had this real heart to preach the gospel to people. Like, I just want to tell people about Jesus. But there's always this fear that's going to stop me of the person. Like, how are they going to react? I don't even know how to do it. Like, we don't often teach each other how to do these things. And, and so, what if I get it wrong? Or all sorts of these things come into your head. You know, all the what if questions. You know what I'm talking about. I think a lot of people in here have had them before. So, I've had plenty of them. And, and I still get them sometimes. And it's, it's so frustrating. But, you know, I sort of, I, I tried to find out different ways of overcoming. And, and there's different strategies. You know, wear a t-shirt that has like Jesus on it. I see one right there. That's fantastic. I don't know where you get that, but tell me. Um, and, you know, sort of just little things like that, or, or you learn some things to say that sort of break the ice, or, or you learn to read people, or however you do it. There are lots of different strategies to just get through to a person, right? And so I thought of all of those. Maybe they, those things could all break my fear of people. You know, I've just got to, I, I, I read the word, I just need to put it into practice. And obviously that's a very biblical concept, but... Um, but when we're just talking about strategies, we're not really going to overcome our fear of man, are we? And so I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know how to fear God enough that I wouldn't fear people. And I read a book a few years ago uh, when I was living with you guys, and it was by Joyce Meyer, and it was uh, having an intimate relationship with God through the fear of the Lord. It's a very long title, and it was an amazing book. And then it was so good that, you know, whenever you read a really amazing book and then you start preaching to people about it, and you're like, you need to read this book. And I lent it to someone, and that was history, and I haven't seen it again. And, but 
you know, that sort of started me off on a wonderful journey for about four to six weeks and then it just sort of declined again and then I was back to my same old self and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Um, you know, and it still is an amazing book. You should all read it. Um, I'm serious, you should. It's, it's wonderful. Having a healthy fear of the Lord really deepens your relationship with God. Come on. But we've got to have a right foundation. So that's what we're talking about today, the foundation. The uncompromisingly righteous have an everlasting foundation. I lacked a foundation in my life. And so I would always hit these uh, periods or dry points in my life where I said, God, I'm missing something. What am I missing? And then I'd sort of run off in all sorts of directions to try and find it, but I never really found it. I never knew how to fear the Lord because I'd always have this thing in my mind, you know, if I'm about to sin or if I'm sinning or if I've just finished sinning, whatever it is, I'd say, you, you know, you, you get the guilt, you get the conviction. But then you sort of think, oh, well... I'm still saved. God still loves me. And that sort of comes into your head and then you just, you know, and you don't worry about it so much. That's actually the really dangerous thinking. When you start to think, oh, well, I'm still saved. I mean, Jesus died for us. You know, we, we accept Christ. We believe it. We're into the kingdom. Hallelujah. By grace. By faith. By grace. Through faith. And, and that's it. And yeah, it doesn't cost us a thing. You know, that, that's pretty awesome. We can give God a round of applause for that. Come on. But there's more to our Christianity than getting saved, isn't there? There's walking in salvation. And that's not just, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Bless me. That's not walking in salvation. Walking in salvation is continuously turning away from sin in our lives. Yes, we are free from sin from a legal perspective, but it's still done things to our mind that still causes us to do sinful things. And that's not okay to God. And we can never think that that is okay to God. Well, he's still just going to let me into the kingdom because it's, well, it's okay that I do all this stuff because Jesus died for me. Well, Jesus did die for me. And yes, I'm heading towards the kingdom. But I need to make sure that Jesus' death takes a full effect in my life and doesn't just save me from hell. I want him to save my emotions. I want him to save my brain because that's, really, that, that's, a, that's a war right there. I want him to save my actions. I want what's happened in the spirit to take place in my mind and in my body. It's a complete salvation. It is every single part of us. Are we in agreement? All right. Hallelujah. Let's preach. Okay. Thank you. How awesome is Micah? Whenever he gets a microphone, it just magic happens. Okay. So the foundation, the fear of the Lord. So as I said, I always struggled to fear the Lord. I didn't really know how to do it. Because in my faith, I've only ever really focused on one side of the coin. We all know there's two sides to a coin. Our faith is, you know, there's two sides to a coin. And I always focused on the love of God. Jesus saved me and I'm going to heaven and Jesus loves me and Jesus loves me this and love and love and love and blah, blah, blah and blah. Okay, Luke 12, 3 to 5. We can all turn there or we can read it off the board. Whatever you have said in the dark, this is Jesus talking, will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Can everyone go, oh. oh how many times have I glossed over that verse? Oh. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't do any more to you after that. Hallelujah. 
But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. <laughs> oh, we like to speak life in this church. Now, all jokes aside, let's, let's look at that verse for a second. That's got some weight to it, doesn't it? That's got some serious presence. That's got some gravity. Do you know something? And I'm still not taking any seriousness away from this because for all of us, like, you know, okay, so everything we say that we think we are unaccountable for, it's going to be made known. Everything we do when no one's watching, or even when people are watching, is going to be made known. All our motivations, our attitudes, our thoughts, whatever the deepest parts of our hearts that even trick us. Come on, the heart is deceitful above all things. It can, our hearts trick us. Because lies like to stay hidden. They don't want to be revealed because when truth reveals lies, it sets us free, doesn't it? So lies want to stay hidden in us. So it tricks us. That's the sinful nature. It's not in our spirit, but it's what happens in our mind. It affects our characteristics. It affects our personality. Sometimes we just think that a person is a real jerk. They're, they probably just believe some lies about themselves. And they don't even realize. Everything in us gets made known at the judgment. And like even the off-cuff things we say, like coarse joking, come on. Like, we we got to cut that stuff out. Like, even just the little things that dishonor God. Do you, do you know what, what's been a problem in my life? It's been memes. I love memes. For some of you older people who don't know what memes are, they're just, they're actually ridiculous when you think about it. They're like a picture that has a look and then some writing that goes with it that you can relate to and it tells a funny joke or something like that. But some memes are a little bit crude and you think, well, I can't, Sometimes I can't even tag a person on Facebook in this because then everyone's going to see it and they're going to think, well, Jamie's not very Christian for tagging someone in that. So I'll save it and then text it to someone who, you know, it's like, so no one else sees it. And it's like, that's not actually right. I shouldn't do that. You know, I mean, that seems like a small thing, but it's undermining the fear of the Lord. We're accountable for every little thing. And I mean, when we look at it like that and when we look at the verse that we were just looking at, we really start to think about this with a bit more weight, don't we? Okay. Everything I hide now will be revealed then, which means we've got to stop hiding ourselves, don't we? We've got to stop hiding. I'm not saying tell everything you think you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying, you know. Anyway, don't take me out of context, right? We've got to make ourselves accountable to one another. We've got to make ourselves accountable to God. We've got to say, okay, God... Just like King David would cry out, show me any hidden iniquity in me. Show me the way everlasting. I don't want this. I want to be in the image of God the way you created me to be. That's, that's what our attitude should be all the time. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 to 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. So it's not just, it, it's not just we, we, we go to the throne and Jesus says, ah, well, you're covered by my blood, in you go. That's not all he says. We get judged for our deeds as well. We get judged for 
uh, our call. We get judged for what we do for the Lord and what we don't do for the Lord. And if what we don't do for the Lord, or if what we do is not for the Lord and it's for ourselves, you know, that burns up at the judgment. But if we do it for the Lord, then God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, come in, share in your master's treasure. Okay, I've gone back. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, what Paul does here is he equates the judgment seat of Christ with the fear of the Lord. He puts them together. He doesn't separate them. So if we don't have an understanding of the judgment seat of Christ, then we're always going to struggle to fear the Lord just like I did my entire life because I've never had a concept of eternal judgment. I've never... That, that's just never really entered my brain. I just thought, oh, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I've got one side of the coin. And so my faith suffered and my faith wasn't in balance because I never understood the judgment. And this isn't talking about the great white throne judgment that, uh, that the unsaved have to stand before. There's three judgments, right? There's one for the lost. There's one for the found, i.e. disciples of Jesus, Christians, whatever you want to call them, believers. And then there's one for, what's the last one? Angels. Yeah, so there's three judgments. So I'm talking about the second one right now, the one for the believers, one for those who would chase after Jesus and call him Savior and Lord. So we don't just get judged according to whether or not we're in Christ. We get judged according to what we do in Christ, what we do with our salvation. Okay. I'm just going to go to a couple of verses, uh, but I'm not going to have them up here. You can turn there if you want, or you don't have to. It's up to you. Isaiah 33, 6. And he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. So salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, and stability are all found in our fear of the Lord. If we don't have our fear of the Lord, then we're not really going to be walking in any of those things. Not to any degree that we could anyway. The fear of the Lord is a storehouse of God's riches. And I'll go to one more verse. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. One of the biggest dangers, I think I might have just mentioned it before is, oh no, I don't think I did, is when we just, we hear something and we go, oh yeah, I know that. But we, when we say that, we instantly harden ourselves against that. We don't do anything about it. We, if it's true and we reason that it's true and it's right and it's the way we should be living, then we need to go and do what it says. That's what Jesus has commanded us to do. Obedience is... John tells us that we show our love to God through our obedience. James tells us that we show our faith through obedience. And Jesus, Paul, James, John... Everywhere in the Bible pretty much says that we show our, our fear through obedience. So the expression of holy fear, love, and faith is obedience. That's where God puts his premium. 
That's the currency of the kingdom of heaven right there, obedience. You want to live a Christ-filled life, you obey God. You don't just love God. You don't just have faith in God. You don't just fear God. You obey God because you'll be doing all those things. Come on. All right. I'm actually going through points now. We just went through point one. So point one, I only had it on the first slide, sorry, so I'll tell you again. Our foundation is the fear of the Lord. That's point one. So we'll go to the second one now. Nope. The fear of the Lord. What is it? All right. Let's go to Exodus 20.20. Or we can just... Yeah, it didn't work. Or we can just, you know, read it from the board. But if you bring your Bibles, I respect you. And if you don't, I still respect you. Oh, my goodness. Just ignore what you just read because I've got to keep it a surprise. Exodus 20, 20. So this is where, in Exodus 19, this is when the glory of the Lord comes onto Mount Sinai. And, you know, there's the cloud, there's the storm, the mountain's on fire, the whole mountain. And Moses gets all the Israelites and says, come over here, we're going to meet God. And, <laughs> and they get to the foot of the mountain. The Bible says they get to the foot of the mountain and then they stop. And they go, we don't want to go any further. You go and talk for us. We don't want to go anywhere near God because we're going to die. And Moses says, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Now, it sort of sounds like he contradicts himself there because first he says, Do not fear. And then in like that middle line there, he's saying that the fear of him may be before you. And it's like, what are you talking about, Moses? But he's talking about the two sides of fear. So we can, if, if we fear coming to God, it's because we have something to hide. Or we've got something to lose. You know, if I'm afraid to come to God, then it means I'm, I'm afraid of showing myself to him. I'm afraid of him uh, doing something in me, a restorative work. You know, I, I'm going to hide. What did Adam and Eve do in the garden when they heard God coming after they sinned? They went and hid straight away. Come on, they had something to hide. I was afraid, so I hid, you know, because I was naked. Don't walk around naked. Now. Ignore that. Okay. So that's fearing God in an unhealthy manner, right? Hiding from God. And if we're going to be in the business of hiding from God, guess what? We're going to be hiding from people as well. And we're going to hide from ourselves. And that's why the heart can be so successful in deceiving us because we, we try and ignore it because we're afraid to face those things. We're afraid of digging up the past. We're, we're afraid of looking in because when you look into it, I remember the first time I really ever did this, God set me free from peer pressure, right? Because I always felt that if I didn't do what my friends told them, I, I, if I didn't do what my friends told me to do, I was a bad friend. Which means they got me to do some pretty bad things. And I'd say, no, guys, no, I'm not going to do it. Stop. No, I'm not like that. Come on, Kingy. And if there was enough of them doing it, I'd be like, okay, I'll do it. You know, that's what I was like. But when God set me free from that, you know, He set me free from their opinions and, and that I was worth more than that and Jesus loved me. And I felt really good for about 20 minutes. And then when I went home, for some reason, I just felt really. Like, like I just got hit with something really heavy. And I was like, 
Whoa, what is this? I feel terrible right now. I just got set free of something. Why do I feel terrible? Because there was something else going wrong. So I, I dug into it and I'm like, so I start asking God questions. And, and if you want to find out what's going on in your heart, you don't say, God, life's hard. You, you just ask God questions because he's going to answer, but you've got to trust that you can hear his voice. If you're a Christian, you can hear his voice. And so I'm, I'm going, okay, God, why do I feel like this? And then he told me, and then I'm like, why do I feel like that? And then he told me, I said, well, why does this happen? And then he told me, and he sort of led me down this rabbit hole. I love going down rabbit holes. And, and he led me down to this place and, he, and eventually led me to this point where he said, you just believe that you're worthless because your parents split up. I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and that was part of the reason why life seemed so hard for me. So we've got to not be afraid to chase those dark things in our hearts. And, and when I was chasing, why do I feel like that? When God revealed that emotion to me, it's like it would hit me and I would feel it. And I'll go, whoa, okay. But you don't let that stop you and you just keep going. I'm talking about, I, I don't know if anyone really knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, anyway, but... We can't be afraid of what goes on in here. If it's in here, then we've either got to deal with it or God's going to deal with it at the judgment. Come on. All right. So we either hide from God or we run toward God. And that's what Moses is talking about. He's saying you need to run toward God and you need to run away from sin. So you've already seen it, but the definition of the fear of the Lord is to be terrified of being away from God. It's to hold God in a holy esteem and realize how beautiful and mighty and powerful he is and to run away from this deep, dark sickness called sin. I don't want to touch it. I don't care how small it is. I don't even care if it's a meme. I don't want it. If Jesus died to set me free from that, even a little bit of it, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to know about it. I just want God. That's the fear of the Lord right there. I need God in my life and I need, I need to be emptied of all the crap that's been, you know, affected onto my life. I'm sorry for saying crap. I'm not. I am. How are we doing? Are we good? Okay. So we run from disobedience. And if we run from disobedience, then we're going to obey God you know, quick, smart in every circumstance, aren't, aren't we? It doesn't matter how out of, out of the way it seems. It doesn't matter how crazy it seems. If we have a holy fear of the Lord, we're going to obey him no matter what. We're going we're gonna, to, if he says jump, we say how high. It doesn't need to make sense to us. Most of the time, 90% of the time when God tells us to do something, it doesn't make sense until later on. And then we go, wow, that's awesome. And, you know, that becomes an awesome testimony. So let's fear the Lord, our desires. So if we're chasing God, that means our hearts have to align with God because we don't want our hearts to be deceitful. We don't want our hearts to be full of lies and we, don't, we certainly don't want to be tricking ourselves, let alone tricking other people. We don't want to just look good, we want to actually be good for God. So everything in us, we want to get out all our motivations for loving people right. I don't want to just love someone because that'll make me feel good. I don't, that's not real and genuine love. That's not godly love, certainly. It, we, we can trick ourselves with, we think we're doing something for the right reasons, but we're doing it to make ourselves feel better. If we do that, then it's not a godly motive. And we need to say, okay, why am I doing this, God? 
and he can lead you down that rabbit hole. Maybe not in the same way, but I mean, God works differently for every single person. So let's not be afraid of that. Everything in us, all of our attitudes, our desires, everything we want with our lives, our purpose has to align with what God has for us. If we have a healthy fear of the Lord, we can do that. Amen? All right. Proverbs 9, 10. We're not going to turn there. Most of us know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One understanding. So if we fear the Lord, something actually comes before wisdom. It's called humility. If you're a humble person, you're going to become a wise person. Something about what annoys me about um, academics. And we have some academics in in our lineage, right? Um, (laughs) You know, those people that just have an opinion on everything. And those people that, that they just understand maths or science or this or that. And, you know, they've got that real analytical mind and they, 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 they can teach themselves to do things even though other people don't teach them to do things. One thing that annoys me about those people, the reason I'm saying those people annoy me sometimes is because I'm sometimes a little bit like that where I just, I just want to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. And I think it's the most important thing in the world. It's not the most important thing in the world. Gosh, I'm talking fast, but I'm not going to stop. Most of my life, I've considered knowledge to be the most important thing. And so I would chase it. I would read the Bible so that I could learn more and get more knowledge. But knowledge is not cool if that's all you're chasing. Because if I just chase knowledge, it doesn't mean I'm going to get wise. If I chase knowledge, do you know what I'm going to get? Proud. I'm going to become arrogant and insufferable. And by golly, that's what I became. But if you have a healthy fear of the Lord, then you're going to remain humble. And if you're going to be humble, then you're not going to chase knowledge. You're going to chase wisdom. But you know what comes with wisdom? Knowledge. But if you're wise, then knowledge will make you even more humble. Come on. We need godly wisdom. We need spiritual wisdom. We need wisdom from heaven. We don't need whatever makes you feel good wisdom. We need heavenly wisdom. We need God to impart to us truth. We don't need a podcast revelation. We don't need someone else to just say, oh, this and this and this and this is good. When I say podcast revelation, I'm talking about if you just listen to podcasts all the time and you don't go to church or something like that, but you think you're getting church because you're getting podcasts. No, you need fellowship. And what you actually need is to get your own revelations. You need to read the Bible yourself and you need to speak to God yourself and you need him him to speak to you. You don't only want God to speak to you through other people because it's not actually your revelation. You're getting it secondhand. You want God to speak to you personally. You want serious revelations because that's what changes you. If you're just getting podcast revelations, you're just getting knowledge. You're not chasing wisdom. If you're chasing God, you're chasing wisdom. Come on. All right. I'm in the zone. I was actually really worried. I just wasn't feeling preaching today. Sometimes I get a little bit carried away trying to be a salesman and I don't trust in God sometimes. That, that's a problem that I've had to battle through. And, and so sometimes when I preach in the past, I'm like, all right, I've got to be on my game. Well, no, I actually don't have to be. I just need to trust God. Come on. All right. Fear keeps us from falling away. You know when your parents just, they say, if you do this, I swear, I've got a wooden spoon in my bag right now. I'm going to end your life. We all need parents like that. Come on. One of my pastors in Newcastle, his wife, who's also a pastor, her name's Lenore Camden. She's oh, an amazing woman. She, so she'd sit in the front row at church. And when her girls, I mean, they're married and got kids now, but when her little girls were, went, well, when they were little, they used to be on this side of the church, you know, sort of near the front, and they'd be playing up, right? You know what she did? She had a wooden spoon in her purse, and she'd just do this. 
and she'd just show it to him. And they'd stop right away. Come on, that's some healthy fear of the Lord right there. Come on. And they became great girls, great godly women that are leaders in the church now. Come on. We need some healthy fear. Not some fear to hide, but some fear to keep in line. It's actually a good thing. We've lost a bit of that in the West, haven't we? We need it back. Hallelujah. All right. We wouldn't backslide. We wouldn't take God's word for granted. We wouldn't flirt with sin if we feared God. As it is, because Jesus died for us and Jesus loves us, and if that's the only perspective we have, we're going to flirt with sin. Because it's okay, I'm still saved. It happens all the time. I'm guilty of it. I've done it plenty of times in my life. I've lived a long time without the fear of the Lord. And I've just gone and done things. And when I reflect upon that, I think I was actually the worst influence out of all my friends. I actually was. I would push them to do things that they wouldn't do. And I'm supposed to be the Christian. They all knew that I went to church. They all knew that I read the Bible and I went to youth group and I prayed and I was the worst influence. That just makes it 10 times worse. We need to fear God. I'm saying that a lot. Get used to it. Okay. Jeremiah 32, 38 to 40. And they shall be my people and I shall be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. Okay, so if you're fearing God, it's also good for your children. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. Hallelujah. How powerful is that? So fear keeps us in line. We love God if we fear God. We're going to stay on track. My favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, I swear I always get it wrong too, but I'm pretty sure it's Ecclesiastes 7.18. and says, It is good to grasp the, uh, grasp the one without letting go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. You're not going to go down a bad path if you've got a holy fear of God. The devil's not going to entice you or trick you if you've got a healthy fear of God. You're going to put your heart into submission and your heart into alignment if you fear God. It's not going to lead you astray. Sin won't be able to entice you. Let's, let's backtrack. Not to something previous in this message. Back, back to a long time. Back to before the world was created. When the devil sinned, you know, before that he was called Lucifer, wasn't he? It means light of God. What an awesome name to have. He was not in a sinful environment. He wasn't looking at sin going, that's awesome. He, he didn't have any other influences on him. He might have even loved God. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I can't speak for him. I don't know if the Bible really talks on whether or not he loved God or not, but he certainly didn't fear him. He wasn't in, a, he wasn't in the same environment as us. We, we can just... Look outside. We can just turn on our TV and we see something that is against God. We see it everywhere. But Lucifer didn't have that. He didn't have anything. But he didn't fear God. And so he acted on his, well, on his self-interest, on his pride, because he didn't fear God. Adam and Eve, they didn't have, I mean, 
they had this perspective and they had God. And all this was, was a dirty snake perspective. That's all they had. But apart from that, there was innocence. There was no sin in the world. There was no corruption in them. They were completely free of all that garbage. And I would dare say they loved God. But they didn't fear him. And they still fell. How much more so do we need the fear of God? If we're surrounded, if, if we're in an environment of darkness where we're called to be the light, then we can't get our source from the world. We certainly can't fear man. We've got to fear God. And that's where we've got to get our light. That's where we've got to get our revelation from. That's where we've got to get our intimacy and our relationship from. Come on. Okay. All right. Point four. Philippians 2.12. So then, my dear ones, and this is out of the Amplified because this is one verse and it's like, oh my goodness. Just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect. Remember I said, not just your spirit, but your mind and your body too. Actively pursue spiritual maturity, not knowledge, with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. You know, he leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on. How good is God? So I did up this little table last night. I could have actually made it a little bit lower, but tough. Um, we need to follow God with reverential fear and trembling. Like, I don't want to get this wrong. Every moment in my life has been bought by the blood of Jesus. I'm on his clock. I'm on his time. My life belongs to him. I'm not going to have a slavery mindset because he set me free from slavery. But if he set me free from slavery, I want, to, I want to use that as much as I can. I want to get everything right. Come on, I want to make my life count. I want to be able to stand before God and have a fruitful life and have God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to stand before him and, and have him say, well, yes, you were bought by my blood. Um, but what about all these things? You didn't even consider me. Come on, Jamie. You know better than that. Like, I, I don't want to hear that. I could probably handle hearing that from a person, but I still don't want to, but I don't want to hear that from God. I can't imagine what that would be like. So, so, so let's just look at this for a second, right? I said before I had one side of the coin. I had one side of my faith. I had love. That's all. I, I didn't have any of this. I didn't know the judgment seat of Christ. I didn't have holy fear. I just had love. And because I didn't have a holy fear of God, I mean, when you don't fear God, you fear people, don't you? But if you're not fearing people, then it's because you fear God. And so I had this fleshly fear. I had this unholy fear. I had to just be afraid of people because I'm afraid of ruining my own reputation. I'm afraid of their reaction. I'm afraid of what they're going to do. I'm just, I'm looking at my situation instead of 
where my mind is called to be, which is in the throne room of God, because Colossians chapter 3 says, if then you've been raised with Christ, set your minds on things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, so, so I'm just, I'm on this side and I've, I, you know, I get the person of Christ. It, you know, if we have, if we read the Bible and, and we look at what Jesus did and how he was and how he teaches to love and we understand that Jesus went to the cross for me and died for me and rose again to set me free from sin, I mean, we're going to love him. We're not going to be able to help ourselves. That's a foundation. You know, that's, that's how people get into the kingdom. But that's all I had. And so I didn't have a balanced faith. And I didn't have fruit that lasts. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Not quite just yet. So I would be afraid of people. But if we have an understanding of the judgment seat of Christ and that, hey, we're actually called to do things and to keep ourselves accountable to God and we're called to obey and fear God, then we're going to be able to fear God and we're going to balance it in line with our love for God and we're going to have a balanced faith and we're going to have fruit that lasts. See, if we just go down the path of fear, I mean, maybe some of us in here have seen Christians that don't really have the love of God in their life. They've got the fear of God in their life. If they don't have the love of God in their life, they're going to branch off into legalism. They're going to deviate. They're going to go off track. And everything they do is going to become a law. And everything they do is going to become a rule. And you're just going to feel condemned and judged every time you, you step around them. And you don't want to go near them. But the, another thing wrong with that is when you step into legalism, you're trying to make a rule around everything, but you lose your intimacy with God. And if you lose your intimacy with God, then you end up sinning anyway. And you look at those people sometimes and you think, well, you've done this to the nth degree, but then you've gone and done this? Are you serious? You're a Muppet. And then, you know, if we've just got the love of God, but we don't have a holy fear, then we become, well, the love of God keeps us passionate, right? I want to do this for God because I love him, you know, and because I fear him. You know, and, and we have that we have that passion for God and we have that passion to, to walk the walk and, and talk the talk and all that stuff. But if we like if we don't have holy yeah, anyway. One without the other, we branch off into the wrong direction. You get what I'm saying? So we need them both to stay on track. Okay. We all got that one down. If you've got your notepads or you've taken pictures of it or or whatever. Hallelujah. I'm just going to read from Matthew 10.22. I'm right there. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, we don't want to deviate. We don't want to shipwreck our faith. If we deviate and we go off course, we're in danger of doing that. I mean, we, we make mistakes. I get that. I make mistakes. I disobey God sometimes, often. I, I don't really know, to be honest, what my statistic is. I'm probably too afraid to look at it. I don't <laughs> but I want to obey God with everything I am. And if I do that, then I'm not likely, first of all, to fall into sin. I'm not likely to habitually fall into sin. I'm not likely to fall away from God. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 for a second. It's not up there, sorry. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you've got your phones, you can look it up. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. This author's talking to Christians, not non-Christians. You know, why would they even mention 
have you failed to reach it? You know, We've got to keep following God. We don't, you, you know, Christianity is like sailing, isn't it? You're not made to sit in the harbour. You're made to go out onto the ocean, but you don't just go to a spot in the ocean and then just stay there. You're called to go to distant lands. We don't get to a point in our Christianity and then just sit and go, okay, that's me done. Sometimes we think that, but we, we, we go so far in our Christian walk and, and we think because we're teaching people or we're you know, doing this and doing that, that we've somehow attained something and that we don't really need to learn anything else or we don't try. And we might read our Bible, but not in any way that challenges us. Not in any way that's going to grow us. And we just read it and go, oh yeah, I know that. Like, don't, don't, let's not do that. Let's be Christians that always grow. Come on. Let's be Christians that always want to move forward in God. Because there's always, I can never learn enough of God. And if I can never learn enough of God, then I can never obey enough. I can never do enough. Because whatever I learn, I'm going to go and do it. Because whatever I learn about God is going to inspire me to do something. Okay. Last point. Our influence. <clears throat> if we lack the fear of God, we're going to communicate either directly or indirectly an unbalanced gospel or an unbalanced message, whether it be to the unsaved or to other Christians. We're going to present just half the picture. There's going to be pieces missing in the puzzle. And that's what I've done for most of my life. I've presented half the picture. And, and the, the youth have heard me say this recently. Um, but I always focused on the love of God, not the fear of God, because I didn't know how to have the fear of the Lord, because I didn't have the foundation of the judgment seat of Christ in my life. And because of that, I always presented an unbalanced gospel, which is why I feared people because I lacked the fear of God. But I'd always focus on the love of God, but I wouldn't talk about the cost of discipleship. I wouldn't talk about laying your life down. Remember when I said I can be a bit of a salesman sometimes? I tried to make the gospel look shiny, and I didn't rely on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I tried to convince people into the kingdom for most of my life. And that's why I've always struggled to preach the gospel, and that's why I've always seen not as much fruit as I would like. And, and when it comes to the kids, you know, I mean, we've led a fair few of them to the Lord, but for a long time, I was so sick and tired of seeing kids come to, the, come to youth group, their friends bring them to youth, or, or they come because we teach them in scripture or something like that. We lead them to the Lord, they come for six months, and then they just decide they don't want to do it anymore, and they go back into the world. And then they just start drinking, they start smoking, they start doing whatever their friends are doing. And they've just got no more room for God in their lives. I hate that. And for a long time, I'm, what do I do? How do I combat this? It, you know what I'm doing? I'm preaching half a message. Ow. I'm not preaching. I, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, you need to continually turn away from sin. Come on, sin is unholy. God is holy. I'm just making the gospel look shiny. I'm not making it real. And so if I'm not preaching the whole message, they're going to get to a point in their walk, you know, because they're on an unstable foundation. When that storm comes and hits this house, they're going to go, they're just going to collapse. And they're going to go, I, I didn't sign up for this. This is ridiculous. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm going to go away. 
and they become like that parable of the sower that Jesus talks about. They get eaten up by the birds or, or the, the worries of the world chokes them out or something like that. That's what they become. And guess whose fault it is? Mine. That's a heavy weight. And I'm not going to guilt trip myself about it. I'm going to say, I want my kids back. I'm going to go and get them. If we preach half a message, it can be damaging to someone else's faith. It could cost them. We want to get it right, don't we? We want to make disciples. We want to preach the gospel. We want to do it right. Please don't be a salesman. Don't make it look... Don't put all your efforts into making it look shiny. Yes, it is shiny. But it costs us everything we are. Are we going to lay our lives down for Jesus? Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Like, do we actually get that in ourselves? If we do, then go for it. But if you're going to preach half a message and just convince people to come into the kingdom because Jesus loves you, like it's, it's not fruit that lasts because it doesn't come from a balanced faith. Come on. I might actually just land the plane there. Let's pray, eh? Let's finish up. Let, let's really pray. Can we stand to our feet, please? I always need more fear and more love for God. I always need more understanding. Always. I can never have enough. It puts everything in our lives into perspective. It puts other people, you know, you know when we look at other people, it, it puts that in a right perspective and we think of them in a healthy way. But I've got to see God right. I can't see half of him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, but we don't just want to love you. We want to hold you in esteem. We want to respect you. We want to be in awe of you. We want to be afraid of being away from you. We don't want sin in our lives, no matter how small it is. Adam and Eve just ate a piece of fruit, but they said in that that they didn't want you. We want you, God. We need you, God. There is no other choice. We don't just want to rest content in the fact that we are saved. Yes, we are saved. That is the best decision that we could ever make, but the best decision happens every single day because every single day we've got to say yes to you and no to sin. We've got to keep walking in salvation every day, not walk in it once and rest in it. Holy Spirit, we are so sorry for putting ourselves first. We are so sorry for not holding you in holy fear. We are so sorry for using salvation as an excuse to do the wrong thing. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for us and you rose again for us. We thank you that you are heir of the entire kingdom of heaven and we are co-heirs with you and all of that belongs to us and that you've restored us not just spiritually but you are restoring us mentally and physically. Every ailment in the body 
everything in the mind. Every problem you have is being restored. Will you chase Jesus? Lord, bring your word to life in our hearts. May we fear you. May we see the judgment seat. May we see eternal rewards. May we see that we're not called to live just now, but that we're setting ourselves up for eternity. Lord, this life is so fleeting. It's a vapor. Let us not be content with getting things now. Let us be content with preparing for the kingdom of heaven and nothing less. May we follow you in obedience every day. May we hold you in fear, love, and faith. By your grace, we live and move and have our being. Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us. We trust in you. Lead us. Reveal yourself to us, God. We don't just want to hear the word from other people. We want to hear it from you. We want to know you. We want to know you deeper than we know any other person. Help us to seek you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can see it. <laughs>